Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences. And they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. Morning, morning. I am Janice Leibovitz and you are once again my People of the Book. It's great to be back with you and I will waste no time introducing my guest this morning, Pamela Power. Hi, Pamela. Great to have you with me. Hello, Janice. Lovely to be here. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. And Pamela, if you don't know, is a scriptwriter. She's also um, an editor for the popular TV show Muvango. She has been working on that for quite a few years now. She's also an author. She's written three novels. Misconception, Things Unseen, and Delilah Now Trending. She lives in Joburg with her husband, the teen, and the daughter. She is a self-confessed social media junkie. She's also one of the biggest supporters and promoters of South African authors that I know of. And she is a blogger. She writes for Go See Do Joburg, and she writes under, I think it's, is it reading essay? Hashtag reading essay. Um, reading ma- hashtag reading matters. Hashtag reads and hashtag reading matters. And I mean, I put everything under read essay as well. Um, yeah. and, and as I say, one of the biggest supporters of and promoters of South African authors. Oh, honey, right that I know. <laughs> you yes. are too. You, you far surpass me, I have to say. And, um, yes, and you, you have not waned or wavered in that during this time. You've continued with your reading matters on which, which is promoted through Go See Do Joburg. And how, how did you start off in this? Did you always want to be an author? No, not necessarily. Um, I started off, uh, thinking I was going to be a dancer, first of all, then I was going to be an actor. But I think, I mean, my first love was always books. I remember the first time I read a Secret Seven book by myself. And I I still remember that sensation that I'd been led into this magic world. So I I think it was inevitable that I would land up writing because I've always loved stories. I mean, I love books. I can't not read. One exception being actually during lockdown, I was battling a bit. Okay, um, I'm going to you. get right back to that. We're going to go for a short ad break. I know we've just, just started our show. We're going to go for a quick ad break, and we're going to get right back into that chat after the break. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I am back on People of the Book with my guest this morning, Pamela Power, local South African author. And before the break, we were discussing whether Pamela always wanted to be an author and apparently she wanted to be a dancer, a quite different but still creative. Um, Pamela, we were discussing your um, problem of want, not wanting to read during lockdown. And I think a lot of people have had that issue. We've actually been discussing this every week during lockdown, that the people have had this kind of loss of reading mojo. Mm. So carry on telling me about that. I think, you know, I think we've we've all been suffering from a sort of a 
the low-level depression where, in fact, it reminded me an awful lot of after you've just given birth, that feeling like you're not part of the world. And obviously, we weren't part of the world. We were all locked away. Um, and I think, so for me, I found I was rereading. I, re- I reread The Lord of the Rings. Uh, oh, my um, gosh. Yeah. I know. I know. That's like deeply, deeply nerdy that I, I have well, to confess. Well, I've... I've just started rereading the Harry Potter books, so I will totally get it. There we go. But you see, the the reason for rereading that was I I realized it was about all that sort of we shall overcome. Like I needed needed to read something like that. And usually, you know, I'm such a voracious consumer of crime and psychological thrillers. But I battled a bit with that um, during lockdown. And and I also wanted to read sort of really uplifting books, so – I loved um, – did I read that during lockdown or was it before? I can't remember. Sorry, Menopausal Brain. Um, Marianne Keyes' Grown Ups, I loved that. Claire Pooley, um, The Authenticity Project. And then, of I course, I, know, I had to interview Gail Schimmel. And she, her books, even when she's writing psychological thrillers, they're just accessible and comforting. And, you know, so her book, Three Months, that was fine. Two I months, darling, two months. Three, oh, gosh, three months is – whose book is that? That's um, Rosamond Lipton. Sorry. Well, Gail's Sarah is two L- Oh, yes, that, I'm thinking of Sarah Lotz, who also writes about – What did about, she write? She wrote – Platform three? No, that's <laughs> No, else. that's not – I don't know, numbers, numbers, and I don't know. Like we've read too many books. We've read too many yes, books. Yes, clearly. Um, yeah, so I found those and, – and then I sort of – kind of got my my mojo back now but i i did i did find it difficult to i found it difficult to concentrate on anything and i you know and i think it must be very hard for the kids trying to study during this um yeah i think it has been very difficult on them that loss of routine and that loss of connection with their their friends and their peers and and their their I mean, allow me to say the teachers, although, I mean, a lot of them are like, oh, yay, we don't get to see our teachers, although many of them do get to see their teachers via Zoom and Google Classroom and whatever else. And there's that that disconnect, even though many of them are able to still be learning online and some of them are returning to school now. There's that loss of of normality. I mean, who knows what normal is, and we talk about the new normal, but yes, there, there is that. And, and as you say, you you also, like me, loved psychological thrillers and crime, and I also have not been able to read as much as I used to of that kind of genre. I also want things that are more uplifting and more amusing, and mm. I've, I've kind of left that and I also love Claire Pooley's The Authenticity Project. And, I mean, I did mention in my Facebook post before the show that it's very possible that we were going to chat about Marion Keys. And I'm going to I'm going to mention that later on because she did a fantastic online launch this week with Paige Nick. Um, yes, I feel we need to have an in-depth discussion about there that. There does need to be an in-depth discussion about that, and I think we're going to chat about that a bit later in the show. And I know that people are, are saying, you know, book launches and 
the fact that we've stopped having face-to-face book launches and book launches that are live and book launches that are in store and we can't get together and do these anymore and we're not having cheese and wine parties around launches and meeting the authors. I think that the current situation has opened this up so much more. We are able to connect with people from all over the world. I mean, last night I sat in a Zoom with Dr. Edith Eager, who wrote The Choice. And Fantastic. I don't think it was the most fabulous experience. I can't explain it. I actually, the only words I can use to explain it were, were that I felt like I was being given a gift. And funnily enough, that is the name of her next book that she's in the process of writing. Bless her at the age of 92 or something like that. Amazing. Um, and, you know, in, in previous times, you know, pre-corona, we wouldn't be doing these things. You know, yes, we would have been in France shock with Marion Keys, you know, and, and let's not dwell on that, but we wouldn't be sitting in, in Zoom rooms with a couple of hundred other people you know, from, you you know, wherever in the world. And I think let's delve into that in more depth after this ad break. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. We are live on People of the Book. I'm Janice Leibovitz, and my guest today is local author and scriptwriter Pamela Power. Pamela, before the break, we were chatting about this lockdown and this global pandemic that has opened up the world really as much as we are shut down it's opened up online so many possibilities to global connections yes um you know an interesting thing obviously my blog today was about what makes books sell and um so helen holyoke of helco promotions um contributed to it and she I, I was very interested to know if these lockdown launches you know if books are selling and she says it's not translating into book sales so although I think it is fantastic to connect like you were saying like you know we got to see Marion Keys the other day um, yes. I'm not sure and and I guess we'll only really know by the end of the year whether it has helped book sales or not but the feeling is that you still sell more books at a physical book launch. So I think it is a nice addition. I don't think it's going to replace, but I think it's a nice addition to uh, launches. So I definitely agree with you from that perspective in that it's an addition. I don't know what the, the stats are. I haven't investigated what the stats are, especially in South Africa in relation to um, how many people read ebooks, Kindle books, as opposed to real books? Um, mm. I mean, I read both. I do like a real book. Um, for work purposes, I do read a lot of Kindle books. I, I know from people that I chat to often and chat to more, they do prefer real books. So I think, especially in the earlier stages of the lockdown, when we weren't 
able to access bookshops and um, online books weren't available either. Um, that you couldn't order them online because you couldn't deliver them, you couldn't get them delivered, you couldn't, mm, mm. you know, I think those sales were, you know, not available, you couldn't get books, that was a problem. But as you say, um, this isn't, this is just an addition and, and you say that Helen is saying it's not translating to, to sales. I mean, I, I wonder globally if, if that, trend is, is similar, possibly the same, I'm guessing. Well, you, you do wonder because something like My Dog Vanessa has been at the top of, you know, it's been a, it is a bestseller. So, you know, maybe internationally they are selling well online. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, but I think for South African books, I still think people tend to prefer a physical book. Yes, um, I agree. I, I think it's quite hard to sell a book online here, and I could be wrong. I don't know, but that is that is my feeling. Um, yes, and I know and, and myself. I I buy international books online, gen, you know, generally speaking, and I like to get a physical copy of the local book because I can get it signed. I can give it as exactly. a gift, you know. But I but I like both. I sort of don't really believe in this. Oh. Ebooks are evil or whatever, you know. I think I think both are good. Myself, and both have their place. Yes. I mean, um, I, I think it was Marion Keys who did say the other day that um, it was fabulous when you went on holiday and you could take twenty books with you on your Kindle and you weren't carrying anything because they were all packed away in this little block, you know. And from that perspective, it's great. And the immediate gratification, you finish a book on Kindle and you want to read that next book, you know, and especially if you are a, a voracious reader, um, you know, and then you can just click and you've got, you've got a new book downloaded. And I think that's wonderful as well. So I, yeah, I like both. And also, you know, my wrists, um, I, I sort of have repetitive strain injury from writing. So sometimes a hardback is quite tough for me to hold. So I like a Kindle. Uh, so things like that, you know. Yes. Showing my age. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can completely relate though. And um, speaking of this, this whole debate between real books, Kindle books, um, two of our amazing local authors, Kate Sidley and Gail Schimmel, have just signed a three-book international deal, which for local authors is absolutely phenomenal. It's wonderful. It really is. And they have um, signed under the name of Katie Gale. Yeah, Katie Gale. Yes. So they've signed this three-book deal with um, a bookature, uh, which is a, a digital publishing company. So Bookature being a digital publishing house don't publish real books. Well, real mm-hmm. actual physical books. They only publish digital books, which is quite interesting for South African authors. Now I have to just say, Bookature is a company that are very close to my heart because when I started book blogging, um, a few years ago, their publicist was one of the first people I approached. And, and they are lovely. They're so they are the, just the loveliest, loveliest team of people. And they continue 
to maintain an incredible connection with readers, bloggers, and their authors. The, the, the way that they promote their authors just has this, this level of warmth to it mm-hmm. that just endears their audience as well as their authors. And they are an incredible team and just, just well done to, to Gail and Kate for, for teaming up with them and, and for be, for being part of their, well, I, I'll use the word stable because that is the term that is used. It's not the greatest term. Um, but just well done. It's incredible, no, but it's amazing for South African so authors exciting. to be. Yeah, it is extremely exciting. I can't wait for, for that first book to come out, but interesting for South African authors to have signed with a digital publishing company. Well, you see, the thing about Bookature is that they accept unagented manuscripts. You see, yes. a lot of publishers don't. So I think that's possibly why um, Kate and Gail went that route. And, in fact, I have actually known about this for a while, but you know that Gail makes me sign NDAs all the time. So I'm never allowed to talk about anything. So I'm very glad you brought it up so that I can't get, get into trouble because I'm always getting into trouble for uh, speaking about book things that I'm not supposed to well, talk about. I don't, I don't think we'll get into trouble because they did go public with <laughs> They've this, done a this press week. release. I can't be blamed. I can't be blamed for spilling the beans. It's gone public. They spilled the beans themselves and so did Bookature. It is yes. all over social media. It's so all over. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. You, and it you wasn't know. me. It was them. It was them. Yes, and it, it was Bookature. See the so. guilty conscience here. See the guilty yeah, conscience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that's probably why they went that reason. And I think a lot, you know, back in the day, you had to have an agent before you could get published overseas. And, I mean, that is still the case for the traditional publishers. You're not going to get a look in. But I think that is opening up a lot more now. And and also, because of, of lockdown, physical books not being available, people not being able to go to bookshops, books not being delivered. So I think people, more people have found their way to reading ebooks and I, and I can only think that is a good thing. I mean, the, the more people who are reading, the better in my book, anyway. Oh, absolutely. But let's talk about your own journey into being published. Your first book, Misconception, mm-hmm. was published, and then your second book, that original publisher didn't want to publish that second book and you had to find another publisher. Your second book was Things Unseen, which yes. was kind of this mystery thriller type mm. book. And that first publisher didn't want to publish that. You had to go and find someone else who wanted to publish it. And, you know, so, interestingly enough, Misconception was actually digital first. It was a random straight digital first when it first came out in 2012. Sorry. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So no, it was actually. I didn't know that. Yes. And, and, and they were a bit ahead of their time because I think the books weren't really selling the, the digital first. So it got picked up by Penguin, um, I think and after they saw, after they saw me all over social media, then they, um, published it in hard copy in 2015. In fact, it's five years ago this month that, yeah, that all started. So yes. So, um that's how my kind of journey began and um and I mean I tried forever to get it published. It it took me four years to find a publisher um for misconception. So I had an awful lot of rejections and in fact it, it eventually got published by the same publisher who turned it down. 
So that speaks to persistence. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and then yes, and there, and I probably got the worst readers report ever in the history of readers reports for things unseen. I think the one line from it will remain with me. It was, this can, what, this contributes nothing to the South African crime scene. So yes, so luckily clockwork. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so luckily. Well, I remember it being, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible about remembering, um, things that I've read few, a few years previously, but I remember it being quite a, as well as being this, this mysterious kind of mystery type genre. I remember it being quite a sharp commentary on, on, on the, the, the distance between races in our country. It was, it was, that also came into it. Oh, I think that comes into all my books. The sort of yes, commentary. I just, I can't resist it, you know, having a little dig. Uh, and the little digs really at myself as well, um, for being a, a very privileged white person. So, um, yeah, it was, it was about that. I was having a little dig about the Catholic Church. Um, yeah, it was, I was basically just doing my thing, but it was also, you know, it was really quite violent compared to, um, the other two books, which Penguin have, have published. So it wasn't really, the genre um, they were looking for, I guess. Um, and oh, I was yeah, like, it, it, yeah, it, it took a very, uh, you, you took a totally different, <laughs> <laughs> that word. A bit it's got totally a different, bit of totally yeah. about turn. Yeah. And then yeah. Delilah now trending, which was your third book is again, it's quite different. All three of your books have vastly different themes. To them, although you say that that you have that social commentary that runs through all of your books, that is quite similar. That social commentary, that that commentary on on South Africa and our social theme that run, runs through our country and racial themes and things like that. I found that, that all three of your books are vastly different, and okay. and Delilah now trending, which had a, a theme very close to your heart, which was social media, very close to your heart. Very close. <laughs> and, and, and people have often criticized you and said, um, how do you ever write a book, seeing as you spend all your time on Twitter and Facebook? I think that's a slight exaggeration. But um, well, but only slight, really. Yeah, only only slight, really. And And people asked you, is this based on your daughter's school and your school and your son's school and, and people wanted to, to point fingers and say, is this your child? Is this your child's friends? Is, you know, people were, I mean, people are always so quick to point fingers and so quick to criticize. And I loved Delilah now trending because I love these teenage girl, you know, Based books, they they just I don't know they, you know they just do something for me. And but listen, the it, interesting thing about Delilah was that I actually because it was all about the grade seven leavers party and whatever, and I started writing it um, when my son was going through that. Um, but I wanted to write something about a girls' school, so. So, you know, I think it is actually a compliment if people do see themselves like, like, I mean, things unseen, the one girl said, you wrote this about my ex-husband, didn't you? 
um, <laughs> who I'd never met. So, you know, it's, it's actually great if, I, I mean, as an author, you do feel exposed though. You, you, I have to admit, like, I love writing the books, but I'm, I'm, and I love publicizing other people's books. I'm not that keen on doing my own, weirdly enough. It feels too, I feel sort of naked, if you know what I mean. Yes, I do. And I know that authors always get asked, do you base your characters on people that you know? And, you know, and, and friends and family always ask, oh, is that me? And, you know, remember I made that comment to you a while ago. And is that what you based that event on in your book? Authors always get called out for that. And that is that whole feeling of being exposed that people, when they talk to an author, kind of think, oh, God, am I going to land up, you know, being being murdered in a chapter somewhere along the line? Mm, mm, yeah, never mess with an author. Never. Never. Because you, Very you dangerous. Could, yeah, you'll land up being the irritating person or the corpse, no doubt. Yes. I mean, yes. listen, I think everything is taken, whether you are basing things um, on people or not, and probably a good idea not to because of – libel, defamation, whatever. But, you know, you are going to draw from your subconscious things that you – and, I mean, I am quite blatant about dialogue. I will steal dialogue. If I'm at a dinner party, I always have a, a book with me. And and my friends know it because I'll go, oh, my God, that's a great line, and I quickly write it down. So they, <laughs> they know that I will I will steal things. It will land up in a script. It will land up in a book. Um, you know, luckily they love me and accept me for that, so it's fine. And the the script writing. I mean, are you are you still working on Mivango? Yes, I am. But I actually I'm standing in as the script editor because the current script editor has just had a baby girl. So oh, wow. yeah, so I am standing in for them. But I write for a whole bunch of shows. I've, yeah, um, which is a which is a lot of fun. You know, I'm a complete workaholic, Janice. So. I'm working on so many projects I can't actually even keep track of them all. Well, that's um, amazing. Yeah, that is it's really amazing. Yeah. And and the the transition from script to to novels and to to fiction writing, script writing, book writing, what is that like? Um, well, dialogue obviously is my strength. Um, the narrative bits are probably more challenging for me. I would just write the whole thing in dialogue if I could. Um, you know, I have to, I think, work more at that. My, my books are quite visual, though. Uh, yeah, but but really, I, you know, I always say to people, people say, oh, you know, I'm going to write a book or whatever. And getting published is so tough. It's such a tough industry that... I always say to people, unless you absolutely have to do it, don't don't even go there. Like, find some other way to express your creativity. So you have got to love the process of writing a book, which I do. And and in fact, with yeah, the book being out there is neither here nor there at the end of the day. Um, it's the it, you've got to love that process. You really do, even when it drives and, you nuts. And mm. that is yeah, and it is a tough process. And we will continue with this conversation after the break. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. 
I'm back and I'm Janice Liebowitz. This is People of the Book and my guest today is Pamela Power, South African author and scriptwriter, among many other things. Pamela, we were chatting about the transition between scriptwriting and writing novels and books. Mm-hmm. And you also obviously write your blog. And yes. your blog is usually, it's not, it's not a, a soul, it's not just you writing. You, you often write, you usually write, um, in relation to someone else. It's usually, um, an interview. You did at one time have a vlog. What happened yes. to your vlog? Um, <laughs> you know, I had a child who edited it for me and then that child was doing my trick. And didn't have time and it sort of fell by the wayside. But also what I did notice was that, um, people don't really watch long vlogs. So you'll notice now I do like a minute or a two minutes at the mo- at the most. Um, and yeah, and it was just sort of noticing what, what people were consuming. So yeah, it was really, it was really about that. But how annoying. I mean, the trick got in the way of, of your vlog. Exactly. I mean, you know. Exactly. I should have just pulled him out of school and said my vlog I mean, really? Really. What nonsense. And, <laughs> and I know that you also have a child or daughter who is an extremely creative child in the, in the art sphere. I mean, Ruby is, I mean, her, yes. her talent is, is incredible. Very, what very would talented. you? I mean, she's extremely, extremely talented. What do you advise for parents with talented children? In terms of what? Encouraging them, or because I know a lot of parents. I mean, for some parents who are who do not have a, a drop of talent in in their, their baby finger, who have no clue where to direct. A child who who is talented and who just wants to draw or just wants to dance or sing or be on a stage, they have no clue what to do with a child like this or they want to write. And the parents are inclined to say, you know, you need to get a real job. Mm, mm. What is your view on writing, creating in any sphere as opposed to this opinion of getting a real job? Listen, I mean, I, I have been fortunate, you know, and I'm fortunate because I earn my living as a, as a TV writer, but I won't, you know, pretend that it's, it's not tough. And I mean, I spent, when I was acting, I spent a full year out of work and that's hard. It's, it's very, very depressing. So I, I do believe that, um, you do need to have a job that's going to, you know, I certainly don't believe in starving in a garret. Um, you do need to have a job that's going to bring in money. I mean, it's a little bit like me going, Oh, well, I only want to write novels, even though, you know, I make about five cents off my novels. So, you know, I do think you, um, need to have something that's going to bring in the cash and, you can also pursue your passion alongside that. I mean, that being said, my son is doing uh, – drama was his top subject, but he's studying health sciences um, because he knows that about himself, that he would not be happy being um, 
unemployed, uh, that would make him really anxious. Whereas my daughter, I think, probably is going to study drama. She's more entrepreneurial. So I think for her, she probably will make a plan. And I, I think it's really a temperamental thing. But But what I do believe is that they should definitely take these subjects at school um, and not necessarily on a competitive basis. Uh, I, I just think these subjects yes. make you a better human, you know. Um, yes, absolutely. Mm. So those, those, that's sort of my, you know, I'm, I'm practical about it as well, having been through it. I, I wouldn't like to see somebody uh, having to kind of struggle the way I struggled, I must be honest. Yeah. And you certainly don't want to see your kids doing that. So I think you do need to have, plan B or you know that you are going to play in a band over weekends or whatever. You know, I, I think that's fine. And I think if you look historically, that's what people have done. They've always had their day job. Um, and certainly for authors, it's very rare for somebody to just exist uh, writing books. Yes, absolutely. I just know that for parents um, who are not creatives and for parents who don't understand the need to be creative and the need to to have that kind of life and to follow that passion, it's extremely difficult for them to understand a child who who has that talent and that gift and they do need guidance in understanding how to guide their child. I think also the point being that you can um – you know, you don't, the, the, like, for example, in television, there are many other jobs besides on the creative side. There's a lot of stuff you can do on production. Um, yes. And this thing with, with books and, and getting involved in publishing, you can still be around books and maybe you write as a sideline or something like that. So I, I, I do think there is a problem with seeing that, oh, you can't be an actor or whatever. But there, there are a lot of other jobs you can actually do. There are um, options. There are options. Yeah, there are, there are actually options. And I don't think it helps to try and, you know, and, and really, like, for example, with my son, the jury's out. You know, he might finish this health sciences degree, which he, you know, he keeps saying to me, Mom, you said varsity was fun. It's not fun. And I said, well, you know, I did drama, love, but different. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, he might finish this BSc and then decide he wants to go study drama. You know, who knows? You You can't. You can't live their lives for them. You've got to, um, yeah, see see where they need to go, what their journey is. Um, Absolutely. Mm. And and you've got to you've got to be open minded with them. And unfortunately, not all parents see it that way. And and also, have, like, yeah, let's you be have to let them live the their cost. own life. You know, let's be honest about the cost yes. as well. Yes. Like, it's not it's not always an option for some people. We've, we've got to be practical about these things. You know, you do have to have a plan that you know that you might end up um, waitressing or whatever. You know, you, yes. you need to understand that it is a very tough industry and, you know, that that's how it is. Um, you know, I don't think I don't think have any uh, misconceptions. See what I did there about. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Just slotting in the book there. Um about how hard it is going to be because it will be hard. Definitely. After the break, we will be back wrapping up with my guest, Pamela Power. And just a heads up, I will be asking Pamela what 
her recommendations for her lockdown reads are and what her favorite books are, what she would like to be stuck with on a desert island if she could only choose five books. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. I'm back for this wrap-up of People of the Book today with my guest, Pamela Power. And before the break, I sprung a surprise on Pamela and mm, asked I'm running her, away. <laughs> not yet, which have been your favorite lockdown reads? And if you were stuck on a desert island with only five books, which would you want those five books to be? Okay, and so go. My- so my favorite lockdown reads were Grown Ups, Marion Keys. Um, no surprise there. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Authenticity Project, Claire Pooley. Um, let's try and call Gail's book by its right name now, Two Months by Gail Two Schimmel. Months. And I also beat a read Amy Haydenreff's latest book, and I can't tell you about that yet. So, yeah, but look out for that one. That's also going to be a winner. Okay. Oh, I can't wait because I loved her first two books. And my, and I refuse to be allowed only five books. I absolutely refuse. So I think I'll choose five authors, um, that I'm taking with me to a desert island. And obviously Gail Schimmel would be one of them. Connita Loxton would be another. Amy Haydenreff. How many is that? Three. Uh, Sue Anyati, four. Um, who else? How can I choose Joanne McGregor? I've got so many more here. This is cruel, Gail. Up there, Gail. Janice, why are you making it's, me do it's it? Like, and it's like being asked to choose which is your favorite child, isn't it? Exactly. There's so <laughs> many more here. Why are you making me do this? <laughs> I always hate these things where you have to choose an author. I've got like this long list here. Can I Can I sneak a few more in? Oh, go on. Okay, so if you're looking for other good reads, of course, um, Belinda Bauer with her South African connections. She's fantastic. Um, I loved Rubbernecker and um, The Facts About Life and Death. Paula Hawkins, of course, I can't wait till her next book comes out. Jane yeah, Harper. Paula Hawkins, wait a second. Paula Hawkins, yes. she wrote Girl on a Train. Yes, she did. And her second book. Was, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a totally damp squib. Sorry. No, I know. Like, a lot of people didn't like it, but I liked it. It had lots of points of view. And I think she was very hurt by the reception to it. But I also suspect what happened was that she had written that book um, before Girl on the Train came out. Uh, You know, like what you were saying about how my books were all different. And I think that's what happens. And I think also when you've had such a massive success, whatever anybody brings out next is going to flop. I do think so. So, yeah, that was, um, she wrote Girl in the Train. The second one was something about something in the water or something like that. Into the water. water. Yeah. I couldn't even finish it. Um, And. We can't it. be friends now. That's awful. Oh, we can. We can. We can We're still mature. be friends. We can rise we're, we're mature. We're mature. So that is, and I, I think those are, and, and the authors are 
South African authors, South African connections mainly. And I think that's a fabulous selection. Pamela, it has been amazing having you as my guest. Thank you so, so much for giving your time this morning. It's really been great chatting to you.